Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing Hunger Games through the theme of chaos. And to start us off with, I believe you have a quote. I do. So this quote is from Mockingjay, talking a bit about how the Hunger Games in Catching Fire ended. Yeah, so it's by Katniss, and she says... It was my arrow, aimed at the chink in the force field surrounding the arena, that brought on this firestorm of retribution that sent the whole country of Panem into chaos. And I think that's an interesting way of looking at kind of the division between the first two books and the third book, is that Mm -hmm. the first two books have, you know, we see Katniss going through the games and seeing the horrors of it, but it's a controlled horrific event, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. the games are so unbelievably controlled, and yet... What we see in the third book is not controlled at all. This actual war yeah. that is happening and the horrors that are being unleashed there, those do not have that same kind of order to it. There is chaos being unleashed. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a character, uh, Hamish Abernathy. <laughs> oh, Hamish. Oh, Hamish. When I was looking at this, most of the other characters I thought about were thinking, I was thinking about how they kind of thematically fit with larger processes of order or chaos. But Hamish is really the character that for me, most signifies a character who themselves is chaotic and Mm -hmm. who leans into chaos because of the trauma that Hamish has suffered and the lives of the people around him who he loves, who've been, who've suffered. The only way that he knows how to deal with that is to drink himself into almost nothingness. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me because I feel like that is a form of chaos, of, 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 willing to lean into that chaos Mm -hmm. in a way that it it doesn't give him control of himself but it takes away control from the capital and from others where he's in some ways uncontrollable and especially if you look at him in comparison with Effie you know Mm -hmm. as as the two people who are taking care of Peta and Katniss we see that you know she brings in a schedule she brings in all these kinds of things and he especially uh when he's drinking he brings in this chaos. Neither Katniss nor Peter really trust him. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a very interesting character, especially considering the more that we learn about how he has suffered during and since his own games and and having to to train people to die basically every year. Yeah, I think that 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 chaos of that alcoholism and that abuse of that is in some ways the only thing he has left. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact that his kind of chaos and lifestyle right it's he'll drink as much at, you know as he can unless the supply runs out for mm-hmm. a bit and then I just re- I remember when Katniss came into his home and it was just like stuff was everywhere like his actual environment was very chaotic too yeah. and I think it all just really shows this not caring or not wanting to care because if he cares these people are just going to be taken away from him Mm -hmm. so instead he'd rather yeah be this kind of chaotic character that people would laugh at and everything because you know he's like fallen off the stage before at reapings and stuff because he's so drunk Mm -hmm. and in some way maybe because he's taken less seriously he can get away with more as they're planning actual things to do in an actual revolution and things yeah yeah yeah. um i think even before mockingjay yeah he's able to to help to 
you know, mastermind the breakout at the end of the 75th Hunger Games because, yeah, he's not really taken seriously. You know, he's considered Mm -hmm. broken, basically. And that there might be some truth to that, but Mm -hmm. he's not so broken that he can't do something and he can't do anything. And uh, and he shows that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I like Kay Mitch. I do, too. I think he's a very interesting character. And I think that he's... uh, a likable character despite his his flaws and i think woody harrelson is perfect for him yeah he did an amazing job and he was just that so well cast uh it, the first time i read through them i hadn't seen the movies yet but i knew that he was cast and so i could still imagine woody harrelson <laughs> playing this character as i was reading through um and and now I, every time i reread it it's still him you know yeah it, it's still him as hamish because that's just yeah perfect casting yeah Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so what's what's your plot? So my plot point is um, one that, well, Katniss observes, but only really observes it after Snow points it out. Mm-hmm. And it's that basically when when Katniss goes and sees him in his rose garden, rose garden before you know he's she's going to execute him mm-hmm. pretty soon after he's talking with her about coins specifically and he points out that like this is exactly what she wanted was to have so much basically have so much chaos going on and have all of these the districts and the capital like run each other into the ground that then when everything is in rubble, like, she can just saunter in and take control. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's interesting because when you think of coin, you think of so much control, like, mm-hmm. the most control of, of really any character mm-hmm. in, in the series, yet her using chaos to get um, what she wanted... Obviously, it didn't turn out the way she wanted it mm. to, um, because it was because she used it in that way, mm. um, and because Snow was able to see through that, then Katniss just wouldn't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that's a very interesting way of looking at it. It's almost like that idea of controlled chaos, you know, mm-hmm. or, or perhaps not controlled chaos, but of planned chaos, mm-hmm. um, and and when you have that chaos. It almost goes back to the ideas behind how the capital frames the Hunger Games as, mm-hmm. you know, we had this terrible war that almost destroyed humanity. And now we're back in a society that will allow humanity to still flourish. And the Hunger Games will make ensure that we continue to have this and that no rebellion will happen again. Mm-hmm. It's almost like after this revolution... Coin takes charge and she can point at the chaos that she helped create and say, look at the control I'm giving you now. Mm-hmm. This is going to be different than the chaos that that came before, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was. And so I am giving you this control and it, it becomes almost that same kind of framing where she may not be using the Hunger Games, although she thought about using it at least once. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. what else could she think about to use and be able to use that idea of control versus chaos as a uh, defense of whatever, you know, ter- uh, totalitarian ideas mm-hmm. or, or policies she has. Well, that actually kind of 
goes right into my compelling question. Give it to me. Which is, what do you think the role of chaos within the actual games is? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of ideas of the chaos in the games being especially prevalent in with the cornucopia. Mm-hmm. And when they first get there uh, and having to, f- to figure out what's what's going on there and whether they're able to, you know, tell friend from foe. But that's the interesting thing is that any friendship there will eventually become a foe, a foe ship, mm-hmm. um, not a fake ship like a foe ship. I, I I got it. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I, I think that, that it's interesting to think about that as chaotic because I feel like the chaos comes entirely from the contestants and the organizers of the games, the game mm-hmm. masters, they think that that can bring good television, but they still don't want too much of it, as we see Mm -hmm. with the berries, you Mm -hmm. know? They still want to control everything in such a way that they can manipulate things and they can still make this going according to the capital's needs or desires. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I think about... I I decided not to talk about chaos in the Hunger Games because I feel like the chaos there is secondary and almost not even unintended, but it's, it's actively actively worked against you know that the idea of chaos i think by the game masters so why what were you thinking well so i was thinking of it in kind of a few ways so one would be kind of what you were talking about right before we went into this where the the world of penem is so structured and ordered in terms of the rules and laws and and how the dis, you know the military presence and the production of the different districts and even like rules within um like the reaping and everything like it's all done so orderly mm-hmm. um everything's so and, traditional you know it's always mm-hmm. done this way yeah, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And I kind of wonder if, because, yes, they say, okay, well, this is a way for us to never have these types of wars again. But I kind of wonder also if it's a way, as this is televised, right, mm-hmm. and everybody is supposed to be watching this, um, I kind of wonder if it's also a subtle way of being like, look at the chaos here. Mm. Like, you should appreciate all of the order that you have in your lives. And, yeah, it's like, just look at what what could happen if we just let people do whatever they want. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so I just kind of wonder if that could be a thing. Also, I was thinking about the cornucopia, and, like, that's the start of the games, mm-hmm. and it's just mayhem, right? And I think it's because it starts with such chaos it it every single person then becomes your enemy like even if you knew this person before or like you don't have time to think about it it's just every single person you see you have to think about is trying to kill you Mm. you know and so there there is no communication between anybody there's no and I wonder if if that's done purposefully. It's like let's start this off with this chaotic thing, so then everybody's scattered and everything, so people 
aren't making plans. So people don't do what, you know, uh, Katniss and Peeta did at the end Mm -hmm. and actually figure out a way to enact some sort of rebellion um, rather than just, okay, well, we'll form alliances as long as they hold, you know, which which obviously has happened before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of encouraged in terms of, like, District 1 and 2 always team up and things like that. But really just having that chaos at the beginning, I think, just sets the stage for how everybody interacts. Um, yeah, throughout it. And... The last thing is, I think, also in in the um, in the seventy fifth Hunger Games in Catching Fire, they really did. They actually used kind of like a mental chaos um, like tactic on Katniss before she entered, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's where they bring in Cinna, start um, or they bring in the the peacekeepers and start like beating Cinna. Uh, and are like dragging him out and everything and that's right as Katniss is going up into the games and she is so disoriented and she like can't see straight and she she doesn't know where she is and and it's only the very thought of her being like like I can't think about what they're doing to Cinna because like I have to survive for him Mm -hmm. and I have to survive for all of these rebels and it's only because of that thought that really she's able to like pull it together at all um but they wanted her to be so chaotic and so disoriented like emotionally and mentally so that you know she would just die mm-hmm. right then um yeah. So, yeah that's interesting too because I, I think it's it's interesting to see how you look at the chaos that the um the clock and the changing of the, the, the spinning of the cornucopia for them to be mm-hmm. you know, not unsure about the clock kind of gives them um, and, and all the ways ordered chaos. <laughs> that's the thing is all the ways that, that the game make the game makers um, use to push the tributes together and mm-hmm. to try to foment this chaos and these kind of, and this kind of, uh, of pressure on them. But, especially in Catching Fire, Katniss expects them, you mm-hmm. know? And so is it true chaos for them? Is it their, the intended, uh, you know, reaction for them to experience that kind of chaotic mental instability or unsureness mm-hmm. if she, as she's going, she's thinking, I need to watch out for what the game master is going to do to, you know, drive me back where they want me to go mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, like it's an expectation. And I feel like true chaos is typically unexpected mm-hmm. you know true chaos is the the idea of it is not these are the possibilities is that there are possibilities that you hadn't even considered yet mm-hmm. um and and so yeah that's i guess an interesting mm-hmm. it is interesting but i think part of the reason that she thinks that way is because she was already in a game absolutely which had never happened before mm-hmm. right this was the first time yeah yeah so, very yeah. interesting mm-hmm. so what is your compelling question um, so my compelling question is that in Mockingjay, we, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, you know, the first two books kind of have the order of the games, right? Mm-hmm. And Mockingjay, she's actually fighting that war. And that last third of the book is about their team going into the capital. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they, they mentioned like, it's, you know, let the Hunger Games begin again, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, 
having the pods around, having these things, these tactics that are used in the Hunger Games themselves mm-hmm. as a way to, that they, things that they have to fight through and the things that they have to deal with there. Um, do you think that, um, I guess my, my question for you is, is how do you engage with the chaos as they're fighting through the capital and the outer districts of the capital in particular? Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, it was it was one thing I was actually thinking about talking about in the missed opportunity because I felt like it did create a very chaotic situation mm-hmm. for sure. But where if President Snow was the one who created all of these pods and these like booby traps all over the city in case something like this would happen. Mm-hmm. He is so meticulously strategic in the chaos he creates and when he creates it and for the specific reasons that he does create it that for me it felt too haphazard than um, it should have been if he was the one who created it. And maybe he didn't because obviously this is the 75th Hunger Games and mm-hmm. I don't think he's been president that entire time mm-hmm. because age. Um so, yeah, I think if he didn't create them, it makes a little more sense to me. Because, obviously, whoever arranged for the Hunger Games to happen is just evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I could see them just being like, well, I'll do these things, too, to in case maybe he even would, or she, whoever it was, would have had the thought of maybe even the people in the Capitol could rise up against us mm-hmm. you know they could especially at the beginning i could see it being more likely so so i can kind of justify some reasons for it potentially but i don't know i mean they're not given so i think i think as a literary tactic it does create kind of a anxiousness and like a frenzy in the reader uh, so that you can feel a little more what the characters might be feeling, mm-hmm. but it also, yeah, is lacking maybe the intentionality that I think uh, other pieces of the story have. I agree, and, and it's I think that's probably my least favorite part of the books mm-hmm. as a whole, and I think that that you put a really interesting point. In addition, I think that by having it be so chaotic and so haphazard. Mm-hmm. there's no character development in any of the decisions or any of the, the issues that happen. And so there's a number yeah. of chapters that essentially, co- if you simplify it, go down to Katniss is with this group who die one by one, you know, mm-hmm. until she gets to this place, you know, where it's just her and Gail and Peta. Mm-hmm. And so she's, yeah, she she... But, but those deaths don't have the kind of meaning that a lot of the deaths in the Hunger Games do, you know? Like, Rue's mm-hmm. death has meaning. When she takes the tracker jackers against the, the group, it has meaning. Like, you're learning more about all the different characters in the Hunger Games, especially her and Rue and Peta. But, you know, and, sure. and in, the, in the 75th Hunger Games, you learn more about, uh, about Finnick and you learn about, uh, you know, Beatty and you learn about all these other characters and Johanna. So these actions and these, these, you know, really terrible things that are happening, these deaths, they have, I think, 
momentum in the ways that you're understanding the world and the characters. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that in the Mockingjay, uh, you know, action scene mm-hmm. uh, or action scenes of them going through the capital. I don't feel that same kind of resonance of these are meaningful for these ways. And that might be the point is that, mm-hmm. you know, there is no meaning to people's deaths in war Mm -hmm. and there is no meaning to these people's deaths and that is going to affect Katniss because she took them along even if they didn't understand exactly what she was doing Mm -hmm. they went along with her because they trusted her and they were trying to help her and she led them to their deaths well I mean and that's that's war right yeah and and so maybe that's what and so I can understand that thematically Mm -hmm. but like you were saying narratively it just doesn't click with me in the same way and it doesn't um engage me in the same way as as I think the first two books typically do with in the mm-hmm. Hunger Games. I mean, it also could have been that because there was going to be um because there were going to be some very sad and really grave, you know, deaths coming up that to have that for every single one of them that died might have been a little much Mm. um not only just emotionally for the readers but just for the book too it might kind of take you out of what was actually happening Mm -hmm. um so i don't know but but yeah i understand what you're saying and and i I guess i just i also feel it's just so impersonal it's these pods Mm -hmm. that are killing things you know these traps these mutates or mutations mutations however you'd pronounce Mm -hmm. that you know, there are these things that have been created by people and a system that are obviously terrible, but it's not, we don't know the people who are killing, you know? Yeah, but I actually really like that in terms of ideas about war because that is warfare now. Mm-hmm. Like, not always, but oftentimes. And it's really systems and it's the people in power who are killing all of these people Mm -hmm. um even if they're not doing it with their you know physical hand right they they set it all up so Hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. all right well what's your missed opportunity so my missed opportunity is that i understand why the book ended the way it did mocking jay but i do feel that desire to know a little bit more about the chaotic situation that the entire country of Panem was left in mm-hmm. after all of this warfare. Because we, we hear bits and pieces afterwards, and we, we heard during the time, oh, well, so many people are just getting massacred and destroyed that population is actually a severe concern now and and so so you would have little tidbits of like oh maybe what would have to happen after or this or that but we don't really get to see it because we are seeing everything through Katniss's eyes and Mm -hmm. I understand that Katniss was so depressed checked out suicidal like she was not going to engage with anything so it totally makes sense that you were not seeing it yeah but I do still have that desire to just maybe hear a little bit more of like how we we know that after uh, Katniss killed Coin, Baylor was Paler Paler mm-hmm. uh, was qu- kind of quickly voted into to power. But I just I want to know like 
the reconstruction of everything. Uh, so that's yeah, fascinating to me. And did, I'm like, the, ah. did the Capital Hunger Games actually happen? It did. No, it did not, Chris. I know, I'm just I know you were talking about that last time, but clearly, no. But um, but no, like these are unanswered questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Like and and like you were saying, yeah, there's there's a lot of of uh systemic chaos that they're going to have to build from and especially with the you know survival of humanity at stake it'll be interesting to see if they're able to rebuild from that and how they're if are they if they're able to build a society that's more equitable or if it's still you know mm-hmm. if it's still hierarchical just in different ways than it was before um i think that's, yeah. that's very interesting yeah and and yeah it's done that unfortunately is not explained and it would just be so interesting to, to hear what happened in some of the other districts mm-hmm. um what did you know how did district four fare you know um or was district what was it district 11 is like a lot of the agriculture mm-hmm. like was that destroyed or are there still crops you know all of those types of questions are interesting to me too absolutely <laughs> So what is your missed opportunity? My missed opportunity is that um, in the chaos of the capital, near the end of Mockingjay, mm-hmm. when Katniss and Gail are the only ones left and she's running through, and in that chaos she talks about how she doesn't know who is friend, foe, whatever, right? There's mm-hmm. just targets. There's her and Gail, her partner, and then everything else is a target. And everyone, including her, shoots at anything that's a target. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like there should be some more effect or fallout from that chaos. Either mm-hmm. an effect like uh, in a through a judicial system or something like that, where, mm-hmm. where maybe people, including Katniss, might be tried in some way. Or at mm-hmm. least, and I think more powerfully, the internal effects for Katniss of... She may have killed children. She may have killed mm-hmm. innocent people. She may have killed yeah. soldiers of the revolution. She doesn't know who she killed. She shot at everything that moves. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that is part of war, that, that you will, you know, do what you need to to survive. And many people will mm-hmm. kill people who they don't know whether it was right or wrong. But in the moment, it you know, there was a possibility. And so they did that. And I, I think that that can be horrifying both to be killed through, but also to live with the knowledge that you killed people who you didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, anything about them. And yeah. I wish that there was some effect of of seeing how that that really had something that that left an impression on Katniss because mm-hmm. it's it's not even a full paragraph where she is thinking about it and talking about it. And I don't remember her ever going back and actually like discussing even bringing it up again that this is something mm-hmm. that she did, you know? And it's different than her killing an enemy or her killing someone in the Hunger Games. Like, this is mm-hmm. her killing randomly. And, it, yeah, it just is... Uh, for me, it, it's another place where I feel compelled by Katniss and her interiority and her experiences, but also less sympathetic with Katniss, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, to me, towards the end of the book... I felt that Katniss was so broken mm-hmm. and and the the degree to which she had such depression, she didn't feel anything almost anymore. Um, and the ways that it kind of talks about it is like she didn't even know how much time was passing. Like 
she wouldn't eat she wouldn't like anything she would just like sit in that bed and like sing to herself Mm. and and she like she did have a trial right she didn't go to it that's true that's Um, right but a trial for killing coin mm -hmm. well i mean i don't know if it was just for killing coin or if it was for more than just that but yeah she she was checked out and and i think it doesn't it didn't really go into it after that point, but seeing how she thought about and dealt with how she killed people in the previous books, I think it would make sense to assume that it would be similar because she had said things like, every person you kill always stays with you mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, and obviously with her... PTSD and, and you know she would she would have nightmares about people killing her about her killing people and, and all of this so I think that it did really affect her uh, unfortunately she wasn't really at a will she wasn't really willing to engage with the therapist and, and do those things she really just shut down mm. and I think um, even at even at the end of the book with the with the prologue um, the epilogue yeah that one (laughs) i think she she was better Mm -hmm. but i don't know there was still something about it that you didn't know if she really ever found happiness again Mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think it was clear that it all took its toll on her i'm a pacifist so i don't believe in killing anyone but i also don't really believe that if somebody is in the capital, I don't know that I would ever call them innocent hmm. because they were directly benefiting from the exploitation of others and annually watching kids be tortured and mutilated and killed by each other um, from all these places that they're getting their fancy foods um, uh, exported from. And so I don't. I don't really see them as innocent. Neither do I think that, oh, well, we should just kill them or or that killing is justified. But, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot more there that we could gawked about in innocent That we could episode. gawked about? We could gawked about. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, see, I see what you mean. Well, do you have a, a, a takeaway, a final lesson learned from this discussion? I mean, I think my takeaway is that... Just this idea of people doing, you know, supposedly whatever it takes, like this very much end justifies the means in in regard to warfare, revolutions, whatever, to try to bring about a certain end. Mm-hmm. So it's very, like, cause and effect based. But then seeing that, like, if Katniss hadn't killed Coin, would the world that they had be any different or any better Mm -hmm. um than when snow was in charge i don't know obviously she was horrible and Mm -hmm. was willing to have another hunger games (laughs) so i don't know if it would right and so and we still don't know if it would even with coin dead yeah yeah we don't know we know that paler was a lot better than both of them (laughs) 
But we it's don't know much great. about Paler either. At least in what we saw yeah. and what she was she willing to do great for impression, her, but... you know, her people and for those in, you know, suffering and everything. So, yeah, we, we don't know because Coin could also look really good on the outside. And so, I don't know, just kind of my takeaway is that, hmm, I don't even know exactly how to say it. It's like people can do terrible things and justify it by, well, it's going to be better in the end. Mm -hmm. And it may not be. And even if it was, are those things still justifiable? And just that you could send things into more chaos or the chaos could produce some type of order that would be just as terrible or exploitative or controlling, but maybe in just different ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's your takeaway? Um, my takeaway is that chaos can often be seen, like I was talking about the earlier, as something that's uncontrolled, something that mm-hmm. happens, um, but is not, uh, not planned. Mm-hmm. And I think that we definitely see in Hunger Games how chaos can be a tool of those in power to maintain or to create their power. Mm-hmm. And that invariably that chaos the people who are most affected by it are those who are already downtrodden those who are already oppressed those who are already the most vulnerable that chaos because they already have less institutional protections and support is going to vastly change their lives and so those who have the privileges to you know it probably will have some effect on them but they have less to worry because they have those privileges and so chaos can help to maintain hierarchical structures or create new hierarchical structures because of that um so yeah yeah i totally agree it's also interesting though because even when the powers were in the hunger games not necessarily in real life but in these books when those in power were using chaos in a controlled way when you're using chaos it can still get out of control and take you all down Mm -hmm. so it's playing with fire very much so and someone might catch that fire (laughs) indeed they'd be like oh my hand is burning why did i do that uh anyways (laughs) (laughs) so uh next week we are going to be looking back at Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah. And what theme are we going to be looking at with Avatar? Okay. We are going to look at Avatar and belief. Oh, that's going to be great with Avatar. Uh, I mean, anything will be great with Avatar. Yeah. That's, I mean, one of the reasons why we do this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> it's because these, all these properties are that way. But yeah. Okay. Belief in Avatar next week. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. As always, please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review us on wherever you're finding this podcast. It's really, really helpful to us, and it's even more helpful if you tell a friend. Uh, word of mouth is the best way for us to to get new listeners, and we'd love to, to hear from, from more of you. Because um, don't we have to get a certain number of ratings before something happens? Yeah, I don't know if anyone can see the ratings that we have on iTunes yet because we don't have enough. So if you if you want to be one of those first few powerful ratings, uh, yeah, we're talking help to us you. out. Yeah, no, seriously, you. Yes, 
No, not yeah, you. No, no, you. You, you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, please give us a, <laughs> a rating or review, and we'd really appreciate it. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. Thank you very much again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Geek, Geek out! out.